We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. NBA Most Valuable Player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Rohan, my co-host, my terrific co-host is here with me. I am Ty Windish, and our Blue Wire affiliation is the only part of the intro besides each other that we're proud of because the Bucks just blew another late lead to another team they really should have been able to handle business against giving up 41 points in the fourth quarter to the Trey Young-less Atlanta Hawks. It was the second night of a back-to-back, but still a pretty disappointing finish to a game Milwaukee had a decent lead in the fourth quarter in. All that said, Rohan, how's it going? It's one of those type of nights, if you know what I'm saying. So let's see yeah. Let's see how this goes. Yeah, Um a lot to talk about within this game. Usually we would open with our Buck stock market uh, buys and sells. We will do that later. This game is just too top of mind to ignore. I think is starting with Dante a good place? That seems, excuse me, like like the obvious move, I, I, I think. Yeah, let's do it. Just bad. And I think that's been a little bit of a trend lately for Dante DiVincenzo, um, just not making a consistent positive impact on the game. Two for seven from the field tonight, 0 for three from deep. Sharpshooter Dante has not been around much lately. Six rebounds. He does continue to rebound well, at least. No assists, one steal, one block, two turnovers, four fouls, a team low, minus 18 For Dante, he was gambling for steals. He didn't really have a chance to get. He was missing just point-blank layups, which is the peak Dante DiVincenzo experience. At some point, we're going to have to, and I think probably like literally right now, we're going to have to have this conversation. Can this guy be a starter on a championship team? Tonight seemed to indicate an answer, and it was not an affirmative one. Yeah, you want to know something kind of kind of crazy here. In the last month, in the last month, Dante DiVincenzo has shot over 50% from the field. Can you guess how many times, Ty? In the last month? Yes. Twice. That is correct. Oh, nailed it. Two times. That's that's incredible. That's why the, that's why you're the best in the business, Ty. Exactly. Two how times. many how many of them were like 3 for 5? Uh 
he had a five for seven game on March 24th against Boston. Two for five against the Timberwolves. Oh, against the, okay. Well, against the Timberwolves, that's uh, that barely counts. Um, just, it hasn't been it hasn't been great. We've been talking about this all season long, like in terms of stocks, but also in terms of actual Bucks basketball. It's just you cannot see any sort of consistency or rhythm on a game to game basis. And it's honestly reached the point of being unacceptable for this team. If this team wants to accomplish what they want to go, what they want to do, like this season in terms of playoff success, it cannot be with Dante DiVincenzo playing like this. And unfortunately, I think that's here to stay. So the question is, is Dante? Ooh, great question. I mean, I, I would have thought before this past summer that he was seen as such a crucial piece, but obviously the Bucks not that attached. They they tried to move him. I see Sam Weber in the chat already pointed out not a good opponent for Dante to play bad against. Going to be hearing what if bogey for the next few days. If it just, why couldn't it have been someone else? To anyone else? Anyone, anyone else? Like Brandon Goodwin, I'd be fine with him going off. Like that'd be okay. It just had to be him. Thirty-two points for Bogdan Bogdanovich. Twelve for twenty-one from the field. Six for eleven from deep. He made. More threes than the Bucks starting five or the Bucks bench. The Bucks made eight total threes in this ball game. I don't even have a Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich. I guess I could have just stopped at Bogdan and been good. I don't even have a take about this thing anymore. Aside from it sucks. I don't know what happened. We don't know what happened. It sucks. It's very disappointing. I don't want to talk about it anymore just because it sucks and it's disappointing. Um, but but Dante, uh, here's the thing. We all know. I guess I shouldn't say we all know, but we all hear speaking on this podcast. And we, we will take some questions and callers later on in the show. So stay stay tuned. Stay plugged in. If you'd like to get up and vent or ask a question, we will accommodate that in a little bit. But I just want to get through some topics first. We all hear talking on this show, a.k.a. Rohan and I, know that Chris Middleton is pretty inconsistent for a guy of his caliber player, right? Like that's the whole Chris Middleton experience. What, 0 for 6 on Saturday against Philly? Like that's just part of the Chris Middleton thing. You know, we're at a point where we just kind of have to live with it throughout this, the rest of this run, probably after that too. And having Drew Holiday helps a lot with that now. But that's just part of the Chris Middleton experience. I think even devout Chris Middleton fans can acknowledge not the most consistent player night to night. You know, having that, you can kind of accommodate for, like I said, you know, you got Drew to kind of help be more steady. It's really tough to have one player who's going to be inconsistent in Chris and then another player who can be wildly more damagingly inconsistent in Dante playing next to each other and playing like 65 minutes together. Chris pulled his game together really at the end here. He ends with a solid stat line of 23 points on 18 shots, three for five from deep. A lot of that came when the game was really out of reach, but you know, just having Chris and Dante playing big minutes together, I just feel like there's so much volatility there. And it it just feels so potentially damaging to the Bucks to have both of those guys starting, especially when Brooke Lopez, I mean, the Brooke Lopez experience also can vary a lot night to night. Sometimes it's hardly his fault. I mean, he was just getting eviscerated in the fourth quarter and pick and roll defense by Lou Williams. So at this point, like we're just going through more than half the starters are flight risks on any given night. And again, Chris, not to the level of Dante or Brooke, certainly, but there's just so much inconsistency in that group. That has to be a, like a problem, a concern, right? It really, it really is. It really is. I didn't have time to do it right now. Maybe I'll get it by uh, the time we record on Tuesday, but I want to dive into the data and sort of analyze how, uh, sort of these players are consistently in terms of actual graphical data. We'll see if I get to that. I'm a busy, I'm a busy person, but it's just, it's something that matches what we've been seeing. Right. And that's the entire reason I wanted to dive into that. And you just hit it perfectly. It's too much for this team to have three players who you're not entirely sure what you're getting from, like in the starting lineup on a night to night basis. Like at least Chris has, we, we know how elite of a player Chris can be. And while he does have his slumps, he does have his absolute high points. Brooke Lopez, even though this year is a very off year for him, he's he's taken a step back for sure. Like that's that's a given. 
but we know like even these last couple games against Philly we've seen like he has the potential still to be an impact player. Dante, we have zero zero evidence of him being a high impact player for a sustainable amount of time. For Chris and Brooke, we do. For Dante, we do not. We haven't seen that yet. This is his first year as like the def- like the nominal starter and we just we haven't seen it all season long. And this is this is this game was a tipping point. And I think it it pains me to say, but I agree with the take that we're going to get to of yours uh, in a bit here. But I don't know if he can start anymore. I'm just doing some counting now. So I know you had the stat about the last month. It looks like since uh, March 29th, I think he's played 11 games in that span. Uh, 12, I guess, if you count tonight. This doesn't have tonight. So 12 games in that span, Dante DiVincenzo. And he scored ten or more in four of the twelve games. Was that that wasn't your stat earlier, was it? No, I was you had fifty percent from the field, right? Yeah, okay. So just just a lot of inconsistencies there. Um, getting some good comments. I want to get to in a minute, but the question of like who do you start for him? I think is a little hairy. It was a pretty bad night to have that take on Bryn Forbes, considering he was zero for five from the field, zero for four from three, one rebound, one steal, one foul. Somehow still plus twelve. Uh, so I guess the gravity might have been helpful in itself, but Forbes just was not uh, accomplishing anything offensively in this game, which I just I, and I had you know replies to the tweet saying he should start again. Just terrible timing on that take, but you know oh Forbes is as volatile as Dante. There's going to be nights like this when he goes oh for four. I just think there's a difference in shooting variance, which is going to happen for literally every player. And the variance we see in DiVincenzo, which is just like, just, I mean, like the steal he went for, right? I think the pass was to Gallo up on the top of the perimeter. And Dante tries to jump over his back to steal the ball. Absolutely no chance. I mean, Gallo is a a big human being. Just leaving Kevin Herter, of all people, who at the time was the best hawk in the game at that point. Bogdan and Lou Will didn't really start going out until the fourth quarter. Just leaving Herder wide open. It's just like even in, even in transition, there was a possession late in the fourth when he who should not be named was going off, and Dante just left him alone to go <laughs> sit in the paint. Just sit in the paint while he was hot. Just like yeah, why not have a wide open look when you're really feeling it? It's just it's unacceptable. It really is unacceptable. You were mentioning this was a bad night to talk about. You know, Bryn Forbes is like, oh, he maybe he should be the starter instead of Dante. Well, the thing is, this goes back to what I was saying earlier, like with Chris and Brooke. We have seen Bryn Forbes be a very, very productive player for long stretches of this season. He started out the season a little cold, but ever since then, he's just been a consistent, consistent player. You know what you're getting night in, night out. Like you mentioned, shooting variance is what it is, but he's still an elite, elite shooter. And we know what we're going to get from him. That does not apply with Dante. So you get these off nights with Bryn Forbes, but he still plays his same exact game. He doesn't try to be a different player night in and night out. But that's what we're seeing with Dante, and that's what the problem is. It's not necessarily shooting variants or uh, sort of you know not getting the right bounces to go your way. It's he just completely plays a different game. Every single game, he turns into a different player depending on what his shot is doing, how the team is doing, whether or not Coach Bud is force-feeding him the ball, which we've seen in the past. We talked about it after the first Philly game. Just like these stretches where it's like, okay, we got to go get Dante the ball. And then some games that just doesn't happen. We just do not know what we're getting from Dante on a night-to-night basis. And that's the problem, not necessarily shooting variants like we've seen with Bryn Forbes. It's it's just been really tough. I'm seeing some comments here in the chat, like start Wara, move Chris to the two. It's just uh, <laughs> starting Wara is a bit it's a bit difficult considering you know it's just uh, he's he's a rookie. It is what it is. Um, leave the bench like it is. Brandon says, where was uh, where's the coming on the floor yelling? There's no replacement for Dante, and that's why this team is There's a lot of takes fine. A lot of takes fine right now. I want to hear from everyone in the chat. Also, shout out. Socialist Bucks saying oh, Bucks players. I, I sort of lagged a little bit, I think. Oh, yeah, sorry. But Bucks players need to start giving him the Mario Chalmers treatment and verbally abuse him on camera. Maybe. Um, I'm not gonna endorse that take. But uh, I wanna I wanna hear in the in the chat commenting who do you think should start at the two? Um I, I guess you could do close at the two, you could do 
start at the two, whatever you want to answer, but who should be the go-to two guard for the Milwaukee Bucks for the rest of the season and the playoff run? I think my answer is probably more boring, even though I, I hyped up the tweet earlier about Bryn. I think Bryn should be the starter, but it should really be more of a platoon role at this point, kind of like Bud has done with that position in, in previous years where you kind of just try out a couple different guys, see how they're playing. So start Bryn. If Bryn's going to be hot from three, I think you can play Bryn. If he's not, I would kind of cycle through like, you know, how is Dante looking in this game? How is Teague looking in this game? Because I think you can play him at the two, although he's also needed at the one a bit. And even Pat, who I think Pat is better when he can guard bigger players. But when he's having one of his good shooting days from like way beyond the arc, you can probably live with him at the two. I I just think it, it can't be set in stone anymore. I don't think any of these guys has played well enough to make a clear stake to the claim. And honestly, at this point, maybe you should just like the closing lineup most of the time should be like Chris at the two. And maybe it's like all of Giannis, Bobby Portis and PJ Tucker, or maybe Brooke Lopez out there, depending on how big the other team is. Maybe you just go big. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe you have to figure out how to play Giannis, PJ Tucker and like Portis together. Cause I think, the minutes when they switch with Bobby Portis out there is some of the best basketball they play, especially considering the offensive threat he's posed on the other end. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, I like the way you put it in terms of putting it as a committee, right? And I know, uh, was it, was it Sam Weber in the chat says Dante really is the best option though. I would disagree. <laughs> I, I feel like I've sort of, uh, elaborated on that point a little bit like i i agree with everything you just said uh it's just it's better to get Brynn in there plus you have options like you can get jeff teague in there at some time we haven't really seen a ton of lineups where you get drew holiday and jeff teague which is something i would want to experiment with and again like dante should still it we're not saying we he should be excised from the rotation or anything right like he should still have a role it just needs to be drastically drastically reduced like he plays 30 minutes tonight that just can't happen yeah and i think tucker being out certainly plays a role there but like you know this is something uh maybe yeah maybe not maybe not this is something uh i think jake in the chat it is who's been uh really really blowing the horn for like why is portis not playing more in some of these games portis definitely should have played more tonight i think i mean in a night when you just cannot buy a bucket again, what were, was two of Chris's threes late in the fourth quarter, Rohan? Do you I remember? Believe so. I, believe I think so. so. So he had one until essentially garbage time. Bobby had more threes than anybody else on the team. He had, before, aside from Chris, like going into garbage time, Chris ends three for five, Portis two for three, like the one guy in the first half, literally the only one who was hitting multiple threes. And he gets 22 minutes. The Bucks win Bobby his minutes Portis by a point. might be the third most consistent Buck. And I don't think that's a hot take. I don't think that's a hot take either. I I, I don't know how he's not shooting like 80% from three. Because I feel like this guy never misses. And somehow still he's able to generate all of these looks. Like he's open all the time. I think he's quietly one of the better Bucks at relocating off ball and getting ready for a shot. He's always finding some space in the corners or beyond the arc. I still think he takes a little, a little too aggressive shots within the arc sometimes. But again, when you're playing as well and as hard as he does, I don't really have a problem with it. I mean, this wasn't even a wild Bobby Portis game. I mean, two for three from deep is obviously above his typical percentage, but three for seven overall, five rebounds in 22 minutes, two turnovers, two fouls. So it wasn't even a great Bobby Portis game, but still like he was providing points I think when he's switching on defense, I don't think teams are abusing him at all. I think he's doing just fine out there. I would have liked to see Portis in the closing lineup no matter what tonight, given the way Brooke Lopez was getting abused and Dante. Like, he should have been out there more in the fourth quarter in general, is what I mean. Like, he earned those minutes. I don't think he's been getting those minutes enough. It's the same issue we had after the Warriors game, right? Like, uh, Bobby Portis plays a great game, and he's just not – He's just not in there with the closing five, which is, this is something I wanted to talk about. So this is a good segue here. It's, it might be too late for this change to actually happen. It really might be because yeah. there's only what, 13 games left, 14 games left. Right. Uh, yeah, I think 13, 13 or 12 now, I think. 
you just this isn't going to happen from a coach bud team and that's an entirely different discussion on its own but it's not going to happen i i don't think it will and i don't necessarily think it's the best idea in general to really mess with the starting five as this uh playoff run that's been highly anticipated is so close while i do believe the upside of it is fantastic you want to have your best available lineups uh starting out there for when the games really matter which is the postseason but it's just i don't think it will happen because we're so close to the playoffs and this is a coach bud team who likes to go with consistency likes to go with the starters which is why we don't see a guy like bobby portis out there in crunch time even though he's had a great game which is why we still see dante playing 30 minutes a night even though he has been an absolute tire fire sorry we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dante, if you're somehow, yeah, you'll probably find this. No he's probably knows, tuned in no, right now. He's yeah, on a he burner in here. Of course. Um, <laughs> I can't get over that interaction with you. That was incredible. I, I, I think I got another one coming. I, I feel like I've been pretty direct in my assessment. Hey, Dante, lately. Dante, if you are listening to this, my guy, like we, we are not the ones you should come for. <laughs> like, <laughs> also, leave a rating and review on the podcast. Yes, please do. You at least Five stars on Apple, much. please. Really makes, uh, really makes a difference here. Follow us Helpful. on Locker Room as well. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely follow some locker room. Okay, um, it's just so, it's just not going to happen. That's what what I'm trying to say here. It's it's too late in the season. It's too close to the playoffs, and it just doesn't fit the mo of this coaching staff. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, but that's that's a boring answer. Should it happen is my question. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're aligned then. I don't think it's too late. And I guess my, my, I really I was so interested because I thought you were going to say, you thought it was like too late to effectively make this change in time. I don't think that's the case at all. I mean, it's like these guys have been playing in weird five-man groups all year because that's that's bud basketball. So I, I don't think it would be a huge adjustment if they went with a different starter. I think they'd all figure it out pretty quickly. Honestly, it might be like a breath of fresh air for the other four starters because the fifth guy would probably actually be doing what everyone expects more often than currently happens uh, in the current five-man group. I just, I think the Bucks have really wanted to make this thing happen with Dante. And I just don't think it is. It, it is. I, I do see the point though, of people saying like, there is not a clear all around better player on the bench right now to replace him in the starting lineup. I would like to see Forbes a little more. Although again, I think you just have to, whoever it is, I, I think you could, I think you can get through it if it's still Dante on this playoff run. I just think there needs to be a quicker, like cartoonish cane pull off stage while transitional piano music plays, right? Like you just, you just can't ride Dante for 30 minutes when he's playing the way he did tonight. I mean, this was a seven point ball game. They lost Dante's 30 minutes by 18 points. And we're not citing single game plus minus is the end all be all. But I think that's just like a simple fact. Like they got torched in his minutes and, because he played so much with the starters, the whole starters, except for Drew, had a, a bad plus minus. So 
yeah, I, I just think no matter who it is starting, who finishes games is really where there just needs to be more, you know, in the moment reaction, right? Like Bobby Portis finishing so few games. I would love that stat if anyone can pull that up of like how many games has Portis actually finished that weren't garbage time because early in the season, I feel like he was finishing games only in garbage time. <sighs> I want to see more of that, man. I feel like when I watch them switch with like Giannis and Portis out there, it's just so exciting. It feels like a breath of fresh air. And that's how they built the lead. But they uh, went away from that. And then suddenly we're not able to uh, sustain the lead, shockingly. This is why I think like maybe the starting group is more important because Coach Bud tends, tends to really finish his uh, finish the games with the starting five. Like the most played lineup in fourth quarters for the Bucks is their starting lineup. That's just that's it is what it is. That's you can't you can't really shake all those demons. You can't really become an entirely different coach. We've pointed out all the things he's done positively this season and given credit where credit is due in terms of Coach Budenholzer. You just you can't shake everything. He still is Mike Budenholzer. Uh, who knows? This might have been been a gift to the Hawks, but I don't know. Hey, hey you never know. It might have been. I don't know if he wants to do that team any favors. So I, I want to talk about something. I think uh, Deepak asked it a couple of minutes ago. Talk about the lineup that started the fourth quarter: Portis, Chris, Pat, Dante, Teague. I don't. I feel like I don't really have a huge issue with that lineup. Um, I think if it's going to be just Chris and letting Drew and Giannis rest, which is the point of that lineup, right? Like you're buying more minutes of Giannis and Drew later. And it started off decent. Chris was making some shots finally, and they were carrying water, which is all you're not carrying water. Um, I don't know what the expression is. Treading water. Treading water. Thank you. Carrying water is what we never do here. Uh, they were treading water uh, at least, which is all you really need. I think Dante being in it is probably my only real issue there, but like having Chris out there with a point guard and Teague who can get him some looks, theoretically, we're not seeing enough of that still. And another legit offensive weapon in Portis, that's a pretty good lineup, I think, to just tread some water, score some buckets, like buy Drew and Giannis some more time to rest. I don't have an issue with it. I think you should be able to survive with your sixth man and one of the best three guys. I think execution was the bigger problem for me than particular lineups outside of just, I know, like we've mentioned a few times, all the Dante minutes and not playing Portis enough. So I don't know. What, what do you think about that lineup? I don't I don't really have an issue with that to start the fourth quarter. No, I think it has the best really potential of any bench plus starters, like one starter lineup, obviously. If well, it doesn't have Giannis, two. like but yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, two starters, excuse me. Um <laughs> you're just you're getting a guy who can really handle the ball and, you know, sort of set up plays and initiate some offense and Jeff Teague, and you're getting a uh one of the big three out there in Chris Middleton and a guy in Bobby Portis who can also get you buckets as a supporting member. I do not have any problems with that whatsoever. I actually think that's a pretty, pretty good lineup. Uh, we've theory. seen worse. That's for we, sure. We definitely have. That's, that's how you know we've been doing this a while. Ty. Yeah. <laughs> we've seen, uh, we've seen bad lineups. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We have uh, George in the chat saying you can't be splitting hairs over Sam Merrill and Bryn Forbes. I am not splitting hairs over Sam Merrill and Bryn Forbes. Bryn Forbes is just flat out better. Sorry to Sam Merrill, but Bryn Forbes knows how to do everything realistically. Well, pretty decently on a basketball court in, in terms of NBA style. So I don't think those two are in the same ballpark unless I'm completely off base here. No, I, I don't think, I mean, I think the rookies, like they, they always get in these garbage time lineups when the other team just doesn't care anymore, and they always look really good. And then they got expanded roles, and we saw less good a lot of the time. Although I will say, I you know I'm not ever gonna co-sign a Wara should be starting take. He's just not there. The defense needs so much work. But all that said, I would have given him a shot in this game. To be honest with you, the three point shooting was so atrocious. They had like five makes through three quarters. I think I would have stuck him out there and said, you know what? We know this guy will at least pull them. The only other guy who will always make sure he always pulls them is Forbes. And Forbes was off. I would have given Wara a shot here just to see if he could have maybe given them some pop and shot them out of the atrocious shooting slump that we saw. But no, you can't start these guys, man. They're just not ready. I mean, War on defense is like 
just wandering all over like a kid on a field trip who's like not supervised like it's just problematic so i wouldn't start war but a little too specific tie is that what you were like as a as a kid on field trips i mean there may have been some offices called because i just like wandered away looking at something who can say uh (laughs) me and jordan war have something in common at least just one thing but yeah i wouldn't start him but i would have given him a shot you know just like throw him out there and just see if he can give you that spark. Because the Bucks needed that spark. Honestly, probably a game you could have seen more than four minutes of Thanasis in. Yes, thank you. That's what I was about to say. So that's a great transition. So Thanasis gets four minutes and 10 seconds and immediately gets called. Uh, he, he plays good defense, but he does, does get called for a shooting foul on Brandon Goodwin, which was a late call. Was it the correct call? Probably. Was I upset about it? Still, yes. <laughs> Um, but he just, he comes in and he makes an impact. I cannot believe that we are 13 or 14 games. I forgot how many it is already again, uh, left in the regular season. And I'm clamoring for more than minutes. I just, that is a thought that I never thought I would have going into the season. And I don't know if it's a testament to the, how poorly this Bucks team plays in terms of actual like energy and pop and desire to actually win these games. Or just a testament to the NASA's improvement uh, as a player, or maybe both. We'll give them both credit. But I, this was a game where you definitely needed more than NASA's. You needed a guy who was going to go out there, he was going to play his heart out on defense and just make plays. And because no one else on the team, aside from his brother, was really making a ton of plays. So you just needed a guy out there who's going to do that. And the NASA's gets four minutes. And he does, I feel like he does make an immediate impact. He just doesn't get it extended run which goes back to what we've been talking about on uh previous episodes you specifically about how they're seeing a lot more playoff rotation minutes in these last couple games from coach bud aside from the second philadelphia game because that was just an absolute blowout but we're seeing a lot more strict nine-man rotations and thanasis just isn't a part of it but in these type of games, like if you if you are chasing that one seed, like Axel Tupan was tweeting about, like this team wants the one seed. The voice of the Bucks, Axel Tupan. Do you saw that tweet, right? Yeah, I did. I saw your reply yeah, he, too. Good stuff. Yeah, always, always, always trying to promote the brand. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he, like, he's tweeting like, "Oh yeah, this team is focused on the one seed." If you're focused on the one seed, that means you have to win these games. And if you're missing, uh, like, if you're against a Hawks team who does not have Trey Young, who does not have the GOAT, Tony Snell. You're mm. just, and you're still losing. You need to do whatever you can, and Thanasis was doing well. I just, I don't know. Well, Maybe I'm just going off on a weird tangent. Maybe no, I'm just upset. But, like, especially just, in a game where, where P.J. Tucker's not in, I feel like he is the the other way to easily get in one of those small ball switchy lineups. And I think... Like when Giannis isn't out there, having him out there with a Portis, I think it just makes you so much more switchable. Like instead of 60 minutes of Brooke Lopez and Dante, maybe we could have gotten more than 26 minutes of Portis and Thanasis. Like those two guys, you know, energy is the key word that I think was lacking in a lot of this game from the Bucks, who just were not hitting shots. Also, they would have brought the energy. That's for sure. That's the one thing those two guys will always bring in particular. So disappointing stuff i think before we get to the the stock moves mine are going to be half-hearted now i can't believe the vibes from the two philly games i can't believe they lost this game man we our vibes were so good finally after such an up and down season rohan the vibes were brilliant and it's, it's just like that it's gone i was i was sitting on my couch watching this game just festering but make your speaker request now if you want to sound off on the bucks blowing another embarrassing lead against a team they at least should be better than, theoretically, go ahead and make that speaker request, and we'll see about hearing from some people. But it's just so such a bummer that this had to happen right after the Philly games. And, of course, Philly was without Simmons for the first game and beat and Simmons for the second game, but still beating the crap out of the 76ers, no matter who's out there, it's just always going to feel good. And I can't even enjoy it now, All Rohan. All you needed to do was take care of business. Yeah. That's it. Like, this team did not have Trey Young. They did not have Tony Snell. Cam Reddish is still out. He's been out for a little bit dealing with Achilles soreness, I believe. You're just, like, Clint Capella was back after missing uh, a bit of time here and there with a nagging, I think it was a back injury. Yeah, he was questionable going into the game, right? Yeah, I believe so. And it was just, like, it was a game-time decision to see whether he would play or not, I believe. Uh, But it's just, 
these are the type of games you should win and you need to win, right? And they just didn't. I don't know what this means for this team. Like we've we've had this conversation before. Are the Bucks an unserious team? Mm. This was an unserious game. Like they needed to win this game if they actually wanted a chance at the one seed. And they didn't. They didn't win this game. This is this is part of this was a game that was part of a cupcake schedule for them. It's not a cupcake schedule if you lose. <laughs> like, it's like a it's like a rotten cupcake. I yeah. It's just it's just you bite into the cupcake and it's just filled with I don't know. I can't even think right now. Just bad stuff. Smud pies. Mud pies yep. everywhere. The real, the yep. gross kind, not like a literal pie made out of mud. That wouldn't be that bad. Yeah, the the, the bad one, the don't look up on Urban Dictionary one. Oh, I just meant poop. I don't, if it's something else, I just meant poop. Just so okay. everyone knows. I don't <laughs> well, know. Let's move on here. <laughs> I, I don't know what Rohan's trafficking in, but I just I just meant like a cow poop. Uh, anyway, the Bucks now are 3.5 games behind the Nets with the loss and two games behind Philly. Philly at least is a little closer, but... Again, we've talked about this ad nauseum. We did a couple seeding podcasts you can go check out. I guess probably not the most up-to-date anymore. But one of the overarching takeaways from the pod is like the one seed, if possible, would just be so fantastic to get because you don't have to play both Brooklyn and Philly. Now at this point, the Bucks just getting closer and closer to three with, again, just sour cupcakes being consumed against a beleaguered Hawks team. It's just... You know, the Hawks in this game overall still shot just 37% from three, despite the flamethrower fourth quarter shooting. That's how bad they shot in the early part of the game. And again, it's just such a, a disappointing game to blow. Yeah, it doesn't help that they shoot nearly 73% from three in the fourth quarter. Eight of 11 from distance tie. Eight of 11. And again, that's in, that includes a... Uh, a he who should not be named three just after uh Dante. Like that's just how do you do that, Dante? I'm sorry, and we're going back to Dante. There was you, you just you go on a Twitter like rant about how you're gonna be better than him after this failed trade, and you're hyping yourself up, and then you go out and you have one of your worst games of the season while he's cooking your ass. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> Whoa, some explosion. From Rohan Kadi. I just, I'm so frustrated, Ty. I'm no, you so know frustrated. I think the issue was he was trying to to prove that, and it just didn't go very well for for himself. If and the that's Bucks. him trying, maybe he shouldn't try. <laughs> <laughs> Greg in the chat says, "Wouldn't doubt if the Bucks lost to the Hornets on Tuesday, the way this season has gone." I'm actually, I'm worried about these. The, is it one or two Wizards games? I just. The Wizards, the Wizards are really surging. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like that might be a buzzsaw for the Bucks, which is sad. Like, you know, the Bucks are with Giannis and Drew and Chris and all the other guys. Like, they're a team that should be good enough to just overpower even, you know, a, a rampaging lesser team. And they just have not been. And it's it's quite disappointing. Um, yeah, the Hornets, I, I, yeah, it's the good vibes are just dead. Um, yeah, Deepak in the chat says, worst thing about being third is that we might end up playing Boston or Miami in the first round. Like if it's, yeah, that's tough. Like I, we, we did our tier list. Like Ty had seven tiers for seven teams. Uh, <laughs> like <laughs> it's it, the, both of those teams are in like my second tier or first tier of teams below the bucks in standings. But like, yeah, that's a concern now. Like, we were thinking, oh, maybe there's a chance they can get back to the first seed. Like, there still technically is a chance. But if you're blowing games like this, there's less of a chance. Like, the current 4-5 matchup, tie is the Knicks and the Hawks. Maybe the Hawks would be a bad idea, actually. <laughs> Who's more of a threat to the Bucks? the Nets, the Sixers, or the Hawks? It might be the Atlanta Hawks at this rate. If Bogdan keeps this up, maybe. Uh, we've got George up here. How's it going, George? I'm doing good. <laughs> I mean... About as good, about as good as uh, you know, anybody could be doing after witnessing uh, that collapse. But yeah, what uh, what fired you up the most? Uh, I mean, a, a few things, but uh, you know, the primary issues were. I mean, you, you have cold stretches, but then you know, letting guys like you know Bogdanovich and Lou Williams get so much space on threes mm. when they're already hot is just. I mean, it's it's inexcusable. And, and Drew, I mean Dante, we know what Dante does and. And that needs to be fixed. You guys talked about it 
Um, but I don't know. There's not. There's just not much to say about that because we all know what he does and uh, the mistakes he makes. But Drew, you know, he also had a few bad closeouts on Bogdanovich that let him hit a few timely threes. And then, you know, on the other end, the, the missed free throws that he, I, I don't remember the last time he missed two consecutive free throws and then the missed, you know, three on the Giannis kickout. Um, you know, just, just bad stuff all around. Yeah. Um, good, good uh, insight there, George. Thanks for, thanks for stopping by. And I've seen you've done speeding, speaking requests before. I like the takes. We're going to have to get you back up here again on the next one of these next week. But I'm glad you brought up Drew because if you'll note, I think this was probably our lowest number of stock movements after a game. And it was Chris down and drew up going into the fourth quarter and both guys played their way into no change. So, you know, Drew didn't play well enough to get the up stock, even though he ends eight for 11 from the field, it might look ridiculous with 11 assists, probably, probably as good of a game as you can have with no up stock, quite honestly, and Chris made the shots, like we've already mentioned. So Drew does wander too much for my liking off ball. And I, it's something I've noticed more and more where he'll just kind of, it's almost like the way Giannis does it. I feel like this is just something that permeates the Bucks. They love to wander off ball and just lose their their cover for no real reason a lot of the time. You know, it, it was the big contentious debate about if Dante did the right thing on the help or not a few games ago, whatever, uh, on Aiden against the Suns. But like, this is like not even that. It's just like Drew and Giannis and other players will just like kind of start to wander toward the middle of the floor. Maybe I'm going to help. Maybe I'm not. Oh, my guy's taking a three. That sucks. And it's just like, especially in this game, I thought it was frustrating because I thought the first three quarters, I mean, the Hawks just didn't shoot well. Sure. I thought the Bucks actually finally played good three-point defense and chase shooters off the line. And then they just stopped doing that right at the worst possible moment. But I think Drew after such a terrific game, just really wasn't impactful in that fourth quarter, which hurts. The missed free throws, the missed three, which it's hard to blame a guy for missing a three. It's just going to happen like more than half the time based on math. But that was a, a hard missed three. Uh, the free throws were worse. And then just not taking enough shots, 11 attempted shots, just not enough for Drew Holiday. Yeah, I, uh, we have Jack in the chat saying, wonder if it's coaching in regards yeah, to yeah. Uh, the uh, the wandering off ball. I can't really get too upset with Drew Holiday and Giannis to a similar extent in terms of like wandering on defense because we know the type of impact playmakers they are on the defensive end. So it's hard for like at least me personally to be like, oh, why are you doing this? Like they've they've shown time and time again that they are very, very impact defenders in a positive manner. So I, I'm not really too upset about that one. Like the drew three, he, he missed one, three all game. Like he attempted one, three. And that was, that was in garbage time. Right. Like it, it happens. Like it was just a corner three. If he would have hit that, it would have been big, but it's like, okay, if you attempt one shot all night and it's in the fourth quarter, like from distance, it's probably not going to go in. Cause you could argue the, started. the one attempt is worse than the no makes. That's what I was going to say. Okay. There you like go. Yeah. you, you can't really get into a rhythm from distance. If you're, if you're shooting your first shot uh, from distance of the game in garbage time, like that's just, that can't happen. Like part of the appeal of drew holiday as the bucks point guard is he does provide like off the dribble three point shooting. You can't really ignore him. If you go under a screen, even though the career percentages don't really indicate that he is a guy who will shoot that shot and make that shot. And if he doesn't make that shot, he will continue to shoot that shot because he's not going to get in his own head. It's just, you, you can't do that. Like we've been, we've been very, very big supporters of Drew this entire season. Like you, you have to call it how it is. Like he needs to attempt more three pointers if he wants that to actually be a viable shot of his in the, in the stretch run in the postseason. Like you can't just not shoot and expect yourself to really turn it on when the, when the ball is in your hands and the game really matters in the postseason. Like that's just, that's just not how it works. It's it's tough to see, and I'm glad you mentioned that he needs to attempt more threes because he really does. That's my point. He really needs to attempt more threes. Eight of eleven from the field is fantastic. It's just it's not really making an impact. Like we know you can post up guys, and we know you can get to the rim at ease. Show us what you can do in terms of three point shooting because this team desperately needed it tonight. It really did, and you had an opportunity to provide. Yeah, and I think Greg points out, you know, how much of an effect was the low energy from the back-to-back home and away. It says it's not an excuse, should have been a win, but still, I think it's it's uh, worth mentioning. You know what I felt like when I 
when I asked about only the one attempt, I felt like Jim Paschke throwing something to Marcus. Like one could say it's even, you could say it's even more. I don't know why. I just got Jim Paschke vibes from myself. We got a good question on Twitter from Jen the Buck. Uh, I'll leave a question here because he's an Android user and can't access the app. Locker room, let's get that Android version out ASAP. But here's the question. Bucks improved in many areas this offseason. That's not debatable. Agree. The results, though, aren't the expected. Why? Is it just coaching or something deeper, like the roster still being insufficient? What do you think? That's a that's a bit of a loaded question. Like, you could say that about realistically any contending. Like, there's there's no perfect team, I guess, if you want to go with, like, the 90s Bulls or, like, the, the Durant Warriors. Even the Durant Warriors, they had their their troubles later in the that run that final the utah jazz slander never ends it's just okay <laughs> i that broke threw you me off that guard. one <laughs> that threw me off guard not gonna lie if you're trying to call the utah jazz a perfect team why do they not have an mvp candidate I, I just i yeah you're right that did break me up <laughs> but yeah it's just it's tough to build like a perfect a perfect team and like th- this is sort of the struggles that you're getting at in sort of like an existential Milwaukee Bucks question. This is a, this is a deep question if you really can take yeah. it that way. I I don't know. I feel like this team is not maximized to the extent in terms of coaching. We've talked about this. I don't think, and you don't think, like we we've come to this agreement that Coach Bud does not produce what he needs to from this team in terms of what they can do at their full max potential. Like you would need to have a different coach to really unlock that. I've said this, you've said this, I stand by this, even watching this season. I think the roster is, it's tough, especially against when you lose to who, who should not be named. <laughs> yeah. Like that's tough. Yeah, that's a, that's that a pretty that glaring. a lot tougher. Yeah. Like, oh, that would fix a lot of problems, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. It would <laughs> be nice. You wouldn't have PJ Tucker. Like, that that sort of stuff happens, but yeah, it'd be nice. Um, it'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, would, it sure would be nice. Um, I'm trying my absolute hardest not to say. I don't know. No, I know. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, um. So here's my take on this, and it is it's such a good question. Wait, maybe this will just be a pod topic for some time next week. I think we could do a whole a whole pod on this, but. I do think there's unserious aspects to the Bucks. I think uh, George and, and Deepak here just kind of touched on it back to back. George saying, Christianus Drew just need to take more combined shots in general. And then Deepak chiming in saying, why do we depend on Pat to take those clutch threes? I will say, I mean, Pat's a good three-point shooter if he catches an open catch-and-shoot look. Oh, well. But point taken, the ball should be being shot more by Chris, Giannis, and Drew. Not in that order. With, but- the pat- with the Pat shots? They do like they're like the big three other ones passing it to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happens. Like in clutch situations, teams are going to want to neutralize like Chris, Drew, and Giannis as much as possible. So those three players tend to make like the right pass in that situation. Is it the right decision overall? I don't know. Maybe you guys should be the one shooting the shots. But if you, it's like it's like the one. Uh, the one criticism of LeBron over the years, like, oh man, he's not the one to take the big shot. Like he always passes out. Like, yeah, if there's four guys around him, like, yeah, he's going to pass out. And Pat Connaughton in this situation is the one really taking the shot. And like, I, you were about to say this, but Pat Connaughton has been very, very good in these, in these type of situations. Like he's been a good catch and shoot three point shooter. It's just, it wasn't evident late in this game. It's just, it's those type of decisions. Do you want to go like one on two, one on three, if you're like Giannis, Chris, or Drew, or do you want to pass it out to a wide open three or wide open, uh, just any jumper for a a role player? That's the really, that's the decision that's being talked about here. I agree to an extent. However, you have the quarter by quarter shots. How many shots did Giannis and Drew take in the fourth quarter? Uh, Let's see here. Because I do, I think you can overpass out, and I do think that's a real. And it was overblown against LeBron, but LeBron did come and kind of figure out how to finish so, games and finish series after being an overpasser early in his career. So in the fourth quarter, Chris was five of six, Giannis yeah. was three of five, Drew was two of four. No other player attempted more than two. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Like Brooke it felt was like one of two, Bobby was zero of one, Pat was zero of two, 
Jeff Teague was 0 of 1. Yeah, I guess they did shoot a decent amount in the fourth quarter. would like to see more of that distribution throughout the games, for sure. It did. It also just felt like they were disorganized late, which to me is just going to be a bud thing. Like, it's, it's, it's on him, even if it's not directly his fault. Like, it's on you as the head coach to make sure your team is ready to execute in these late-game situations. And, you know, the Warriors game, the Suns game, just time after time, the Bucks just look hilariously bad with the game on the line in the fourth quarter. You just can't have that. You just can't have that. Like, you know, I don't need to be able to point out every single strategic thing that has happened or not. I try to, you know, we do our best, but I think at the end of the day, it can be as plain and simple as the team coached by you is not executing. And that's just clearly a problem. Like it's that simple and it's just continued to be an issue. And at this point, there's not really a reason to believe something like this won't happen at least once in a playoff series. Like it's just, that's how often it's happening in the regular season. And there's, you know, conflating factors and the rest and the back to back and PJ Tucker isn't out. Sure. But again, like the Hawks without Trey young and you have the two time back to back reigning MVP, like figure the other stuff out, like figure out how to close a damn game, please. A close game. It's just infuriating. Um, it, it really is. It's, I couldn't have said it better. It's, it's just tough. Like you said, back-to-back rating MVP, DPOI, all the fun stuff. Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, former All-Stars, and you lose to a Hawks team that doesn't have Trey Young. Yeah. Just I, if, if you put it that way, it's just – it's inexcusable. It really is. And that's why that's why we're so fired up. <laughs> like, and and I, I guess we're just one – because it was part of the question. And, again, we might, we might tackle – I'm sure we will tackle this theme more because it's very prevalent. I don't think the roster is not good enough to support – the the star players here like i i don't think that's the case i think there's some issues there's some warts but that's life with three max players or near max or whatever the hell and you know you can people will sit and argue max middleton or whatever whatever that's all fine and well um there's players on the league around the league on maxes or similar contracts that aren't as good as chris obviously there's players who make less who are better than chris that's just the way the nba salary structure works but you know, it is what it is. He's on the team. Giannis is on the team. Drew Holiday is on the team. There's not going to be much money left. It's There's never going to be a perfect roster around the three guys of that caliber. It's just not how this league works. But I think overall there is enough talent to, you know, at least close a game you have the lead in. Is it? Is there enough to make you a favorite over the Nets? No, but uh, there, there's enough to play competent basketball for 12 straight minutes, and we're just not seeing that enough. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, I guess don't then, Rohan. I don't know why I got chippy there. I'm just upset. Should we do stocks? Yeah, sure. Uh, I didn't. I didn't update our shares after, so I don't know exactly who owns what or how much value we have. Uh, Your bud stock got worse and then better, so that's good. Neither of our shorts paid off. We both have a buying power of twenty. I don't feel compelled to make any investments right now, but I'll figure something out. Yeah. I was like, can we just, can we just keep the buying power for next week? Can we transfer it over? I I think I might just spend and not sell. I just feel like I want to just like make my stock moves and be done with it. Yeah, honestly. So I'm going to go first. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to buy two paths. Wow. Wow. Okay. I'm actually enthralled by that decision. Pat Condon, we haven't talked about it much, pretty much a ho-hum Pat game. Why are you buying two pets? So this is one thing I was I was sort of thinking about uh, during the Sixers games. Like, oh, the the discussion of uh, oh who should who should be in these minutes, Jordan Warren, Pat Connaughton, is really it's really tapered off, and that's because Pat Connaughton has been straight balling <laughs> recently. Mm. Um, this is a. Uh, this is how you know it's the actual genuine uh, analysis because I'm the one saying this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Pat Connaughton has been on a tear. Like he's he's shooting well from three, like uh, from the field, excuse me, not super well from three, but he's making really impact. I guess you can't say he's shoot, shooting decently well from three. He had a one for seven against Memphis. That's been his worst in a while. Two for six and two of four against Philly, like three of four against uh, Phoenix, like – He's been shooting well, and that's the the sort of been the uh, oh is Pat playing well litmus test is his three point uh, jumper sort of fallen, and it it's been a little inconsistent lately, 
But the thing is, the rest of his play has really shown up. He has been the sort of player on this team that really moves north to south in yeah. a blink of an eye. And that's something this team desperately needs. And theoretically, Dante DiVincenzo is, could be one of those players if he really maximized his role. I don't want to talk about him anymore. But Pat Connaughton is that guy. He's the only guy on the team besides Giannis, I guess, <laughs> and Drew and Chris. <laughs> only role player who will really go north to south in an elite fashion and cut and sort of move around on offense. Aside from, like, Bobby Portis will relocate in space to take threes, which is great, uh, but Pat Connaughton will do it in all aspects of the game. He will move to the rim, he'll move to corners, he'll move out to the wings. He will just make the right motion in terms of offense, and that's something this team has really thrived off of. Like, they, they know where Pat is going to be, and they know how to get him the ball when he's really making decisions that take the defense off guard. And I've just really been impressed with the play of Pat Connaughton recently, which is why I'm investing in him even more. You know, I was going to do something else, but I think I'm going to buy a Pat now. Uh, Greg chimes in and says, I don't know, Buck's Twitter tells me Pat is the worst NBA player in the league. It's just Pat is a scapegoat. We've done an entire podcast on Pat Connaughton as a scapegoat. (laughs) I, I still can't believe we had to do that. It's just... He's he's fine. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what I've, I've been thinking of a lot recently. It's like the the Pat Giannis relationship is like the source of a lot of jokes, and it is funny. Like, you know, he's he got signed. He's Giannis's friend, workout buddy, yada yada. And like when Giannis drew an and one in the second Philly game, and Pat just walked up to him like tapping his bicep. I was like, I want the relationship that they have with another. Like, I, I wish me and one of my buddies like worked out and played basketball together all the time and like had inside jokes like that. I actually felt very left out uh, for, for a little bit watching it, but I also thought it was just very cool. Um, let's not read too much into that, that whole thing, but <laughs> Pat is really Pat. Just let it, leave it alone. Rohan. Pat is really, has really built himself into the most ideal, like low minutes role player possible for Giannis's game, right? Like he went from, you know, a, a vaguely athletic white guy who I think people thought could shoot because white guy, but really wasn't that good of a shooter into a baseball tie. Oh uh, yeah. Also former baseball player. Excuse me. Sorry for the disrespect planet Pat. Um, but he went from that to a, a real legitimate three point threat who has some gravity to him as well. Like he shoots deeper threes than most players on the bucks outside of like probably Giannis and Brooke Lopez for, Worse and for worse, just I was going to say Brooke Lopez. Just Brooke yeah, Brooke, Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez Pat actually makes the deep three. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, um, but that and now his cutting this year, I think, has been really good, and he's got good chemistry with Giannis. Giannis knows when he's coming and knows where to put the basketball. And, and Dante does some of this as well. The issue is like you know he cuts straight north to the basket, and then things go south when he actually gets there. That's the the north to, to south Dante Divincenzo motion. But Pat has just molded himself into. A good player to be on a team playing bench minutes with the honest Tetacupo. That's a good thing. So I was going to do some crisp buys and other things. You know what? Let me go ahead and get a Pat Connaughton and a Jordan Wara and an Axel Tupon to finish it off. Ooh, okay. Okay. You, you, you want to know why sort of Wara? Thinking, yeah, I was going to say, are you are you going into Wara being, uh, being potentially a piece going forward? In these last couple games here, uh, not not so much. I think there's going to be rest games, and he's going to get to play. Uh, and Wait, I just what think, did he put up? Thirteen points in like eight minutes against Philly. The guy shoots. The guy shoots. And you know, listen, if he actually gets to play real minutes, this investment will either go really good or really bad, really fast. Pretty much solely depending on if he makes those threes or not. But there is something there. He's a fun player. I just I want to feel good about an investment even more so than than the Pat one. Let me let me go in on a Jordan Wara stock, Waruto as the kids call. I don't know why I said the kids. These are probably all people my age or older. But I you know, I, I like the spark plug nature. I hope he gets a shot in a real game, just like a very tight leash shot. But still, fun shot maker with really like the the flamethrower on that kid is wild. Like some of the shots he makes, I'm super impressed. But I think he is young too. Young J.R. Smith. You know, I don't hate that comp. I don't hate that comp. 
Man, I don't even know who to compare shoot Warwick the ball. to. Man will shoot the ball, and that's all you can really ask for. <laughs> like, I guess, uh, I guess that's is that Jr. disrespect? It might be. Like Jr. has been know. a really good player in his career. Yeah, but he didn't really start as one. Yeah, that was fair. Remember when he was at Cops and he was going to get signed by the Bucks and then no one heard from him again until he was with the Lakers? That was a fun time. Why does this keep happening to the Bucks? Yeah, I don't know. That that might have been the first one. That started it all. It yeah. was an omen. Shouts to J.R. Smith. Is he, is he done done now? He might. I think so. You know I'm in a dark place because I was like, I wonder if they could go get J.R. I just they can't. Well. They filled up the roster, but they can't. I don't, I don't think he's good Akite anymore. Signing a long-term deal. Yeah, yeah. Good, good for Mamadi or Mamadi, excuse me. I don't know why I was saying wrong. Good for Mamadi uh, and Justin Jackson, who we haven't really is a good Instagram post he was in from the Bucks account. That's about all we've seen so far. Yeah, Miles Powell is a Nick again for two seconds. Yeah. Did you not? They signed him and released yeah, him. And then, yeah. It was like a. It was an agent favor. Yeah, it was it was more to be like a Westchester Knicks sort of deal sort of thing. Oh yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, it's uh, it's just the, more, that's the news we heard of Miles Powell. <laughs> more evidence he doesn't really exist because he was li- like literally on a roster for four seconds. Like this guy might be an apparition. Um, yeah, Jack Jack says Jr. was really good in New York and Denver. I would be elated if that's who Nwora is. Yeah, I would. Yeah, if Wara turns into Jr. Smith, that is a home run. Like, like Jr. was great at his peak. Like, man was dunking from the free throw line to end like shot clock or quarter. I can't remember. There was this epic dunk he had as the clock was winding down. It was a, it was a fantastic Kevin Harlan call as usual. I do not oh, know why I'm talking about this right now, but it was, it was incredible. Look it up, look up J.R. Smith dunk with a Kevin Harlan call on YouTube. It's a classic end of pod thing to start talking about. <laughs> yeah. Do it. Do uh, we have anything else here? Uh, we have to do our shorts. Oh, yes, yes. I am shorting Dante to the moon. Oh, like, no, Dante are. to the core of the earth, I think. We both the are. The opposite of to the moon is. Yeah, it just. Right? You know what? You know how we position this as good Bucks sort of fans? It's a reverse jinx. That's what we're doing. That's why we're double shorting Dante DiVincenzo this week. That's is why this we the first do time? shorts of the week. Is this the first time we've shorted the same player? Yes, it is. Oh, wow. That is, this is historic. You know something is in the water when we double short. This I'm I'm looking back at the results right now. It's true. It's never happened before. The double short on Dante DiVincenzo. If Dante shoots like 10 for 11 from three this next game, you're all welcome. Yep. Uh, Socialist Bucks earlier claimed to be the Dante burner. So if we... uh... If we uh, are looking for the Dante burner, just go to Socialist Box. I'm, I'm kidding. That's not actually uh, Dante's burner, but they did claim to be. Uh, in the the Dante burner is at DiVincenzo, man. He's he's just out here. We all know this. <laughs> he, he, man doesn't need a burner. Man will do all the dirty work on his own account. His likes is the burner. <laughs> he thinks people can't see him. Yeah. Um yeah, I think now that we're talking about Dante's Twitter for the third time, it's probably a good time to yeah, wrap it up. Yeah, it's time to wrap it up. Say thank you to everyone who's here live on Locker Room. Uh, it's been fantastic. This has been an experience. Thank you for joining us live as we sort of react to this Bucks loss, this absolute travesty of a game against the Atlanta Hawks. And if you are listening to this on podcast form, we still do appreciate you as well. But also drop us a follow on Locker Room, you know? You get to see these live sort of reactions, get sort of the interaction that we're getting here. But we still do appreciate you nonetheless. Make sure you are subscribed on your podcast platform of choice. If you are listening on Apple, make sure to drop a five-star review and just share the good word about this podcast to all your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, your doctor, just anyone. Just tell anyone to listen to the Eurostep, and we do really appreciate that. Check out all of the great content across the entire Blue Wire Podcast Network. Please stay safe, everyone, and we will talk to you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.